It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by our friends at the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Here's your host, Keith Stewart. Members, friends and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Is it getting better? All right, folks, Friday afternoon, we're going to get right into it because we're talking across the pond. Today's guest is a PGA Tour putting coach, a flat stick scientist and golf contrarian. He's calling in from the 148th Open Championship in Portrush, Northern Ireland. John Graham is on the line. He's a putting guru, and I can't wait to talk to him. But you know what, Chandler? Let's go a little more YouTube. John Graham, you're on the line. Welcome to Springdale Sir, Golf Live. How, how are you doing today? Well, I'm really good right now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I saw that Graham just made the cut, and it uh, looks like it's got to be pretty exciting there right now because Rory's on the 18th hole, and he's one shot away from the cut line. So it, it, the place has to be going nuts right now. And no doubt, the place was buzzing. The, the whole back nine, the, the cheers got louder and louder and louder. I didn't really know what was going on until I... And I pulled it up and see that it was Rory making a charge because I was focusing on what Graham was doing. But, uh, yeah, the place is pretty uh, pretty electric right now. Well, I'll tell you what, and I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're over there across the pond um, working hard uh, with your clients and coaching them through the uh, 148th Open Championship. But um, every week we do a little song of the week. And, you know, you've inspired me in so many different ways over the years that in order to do the song of the week for this show and you being the guest, I came up with a U2 song because you're in Ireland. But when I, when I, hear, the okay. song, when I hear the song one, it's uh, the opening line. It says, is it getting better? or do you feel the same will it make it easier on you now you've got someone to blame right so you mm-hmm. you've given a lot of golf lessons in your day you know that didn't that kind of isn't that kind of a synopsis of our life as golf instructors absolutely, yeah, absolutely correct I, I i i didn't know the lines of that song but that is like a monday through friday <laughs> yeah. it's like the forward to your bi- to your biography you know and I, I i just thought it was interesting and you know it was easy to pull up a u2 song for the for this week and and for you and i to have some fun we've been longtime friends and i appreciate you coming on yeah. um so is this the first time you've ever been to royal port rush yes it is i've, I've been to northern ireland before uh belfast and a couple other places uh but royal port rush this is my first time so what's your first impression? You know, kind of take my listeners through. What did you see that really impressed you about the facility and the golf course when you showed up this week? Uh, the, the two big things that uh, really impressed me was uh, the infrastructure that they built uh, for the tournament. They've had to kind of reroute the golf course a little bit. They, they changed two holes and then added two holes so that the current 18th hole was the former 16th hole. So most of the holes are the same, but they, in order to make that routing work, um, they had, you know, they built all these spectator village and this, the place that I'm in right now is called the open championship clubhouse, which is a, a completely separate building from the actual golf course clubhouse. And this was going to be the second thing that impressed me was is how big and how nice this place is for the caddies and players and the trainers and everybody can just kind of come in here and relax, watch the golf. 
have a meal, work out, get a haircut of the barber upstairs. I mean, just a whole bunch of really neat little amenities that they put in uh, for this particular event. Well, that, I mean, it sounds like they're putting together a world-class little uh, show over there, which, you know, the first time it's there in 68 years or whatever that number was, I mean, um, this is a pretty cool thing. And before we get more into the open at Port Rush and everything, why don't you give my listeners a little background about um, what you do and, you know, how you came into doing what you're doing and, uh, you know, why you're over there. Sure thing. So I'm a a full-time putting coach. I have uh, five regular players that I work with on the men's tour and, and one on the ladies' tour. And uh, I actually got into uh, golf instruction like most uh, golf pros. I I tried to play a little bit and wasn't good enough and uh, got into teaching, and I taught full swing for quite a long time. Uh, I was a college coach in, uh, in Rochester, New York, which is where I'm from. Uh, it's a little two-year school, but we were very successful. We had three national titles. It was a, a whole lot of fun. And, and kind of about halfway through that time, uh, I got involved with a company called Aimpoint, and, uh, and that kind of sent me down a slight tangent in terms of uh, putting and green reading, because Aimpoint is really a green reading system that I think we first met because of that. Yes. And then it kind of evolved from that into, you know, full-on stroke mechanics and how, how do you teach somebody to make more putts is, is basically what I ended up. Well, it, and you, like you mentioned, you said you have five guys on the PGA Tour, one of whom is Graham McDowell. So you're in his hometown, and you're at the yeah. Open Championship, and he was just on the back nine on the cut line. Tell me what that – share me a story about what that experience was like as his putting coach. Um, you know, what were the emotions you were going through? And you're watching his mannerisms. You know him so well. Tell us what that was like. So a little bit of a backstory first. So uh, when I came in – uh, Monday, we spent uh, a couple days together, and uh, his, his caddy had mentioned that he hadn't been putting too well because he played the Irish and he played the Scottish, and used to cut in both events and hadn't putted very well. So his caddy mentioned to me a couple things that he saw. Uh, when I saw Graham out practicing, I saw the exact same things. And his posture had kind of changed a little bit. He was starting to get tall, and when he gets tall, he tends to start to swivel his hips and swing kind of left and hits kind of like this wipey pole. And uh, so I showed Grant some little video, and I showed him some current stuff, and we worked on his stuff, trying to get it more uh, like we had always seen it. And, uh, and his path kind of straightened out, and his role started to get better. He's like, okay, that feels a lot better. Uh, there was one other kind of process thing that he does uh, during his routine, which is a, an out-breath that he does right before he makes a stroke. He was inserting things after that, which he had never done before. So that was another thing that stood out that, that I had seen. And those are the two things that we worked on for pre-round stuff. A little bit more hunched over at a dress, and then the process of getting his out breath right before he strikes it. So yesterday, um, he kind of held it together pretty well. 15 e3 putts, 17 e3 putts, and 18 e3 putts. So obviously that wasn't a very good finish, and you know obviously he lost the ball. He was quite upset about that. That's a whole other story. But so when I saw him this morning, he's like, you know, everything that we did during the practice. Uh, didn't feel comfortable. It felt really saturated. It didn't feel um, easy and relaxed. So we worked on trying to get uh, a, kind of a, a hybrid, I guess, of kind of where he was and what we were trying to do that was, at the very least, was just had to be comfortable. So we sent him out with that kind of idea to be comfortable, focusing really on his pace, and watching the whole back nine, because uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, he had very good chances to make birdies. 15, he, he did what his normal error would be, which is like this hard left uh, putt that goes like four feet by and this is left. That's like his anxiety mistake. And then after that one, he kind of talked to himself and he's like, 
okay, just calm down. Let me focus on the pace these last three putts. And then 16, 17, 18, he said, if I'd just given him six inches more pace, I would have made every one. So, he's, so at the end of the round, he's like, okay, I feel, I feel a lot better. Uh, but obviously, I don't know any of that. As this is going on, I just see this, 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 this. And he makes one of those, but he's got that, that room to spare. So it was pretty nerve-wracking, not knowing that he actually felt pretty good about what was going on, but nothing was going in. So, you know, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to figure out exactly what a person's going through while you're watching something that you don't see as a positive outcome happen, even though they might take it that way. Uh, so that was, that was pretty stressful. But, uh, you know, obviously it turned out well. He had a bunch of great shots coming in and some nice putts that were really no-stress pars but a little more pace than all birdies. So that was really fun to watch, though. And combi- Yeah, I was going to say, and combine that with the idea that you're in a group coaching a player who is a hometown hero, and you know the, the crowds oh, that yeah, are surrounding him. Absolutely not. <laughs> Every single group is just you know, hollering his name, come on, Graham, come on, man, just rooting him on, trying to give him some, some uh, you know, extra momentum and whatnot, and it was... It was quite a scene. The last hole, I kind of stood with his dad and watched him play. And uh, you know, I'm standing there, you know, freaking out because if this doesn't go well, it's like he he flew over to Europe, missed all three cuts, missed his home course, missed in front of his dad. So it was it was a little nerve wracking, but I'm glad it worked out for him. Well, now he has the anxiety of getting past the cut, and you know, at yeah. his home course. So now he can kind of freewheel it this weekend, and you know, I think it's going to be. I, I think he has the opportunity, like Rory did today, that once they kind of take the weight of the world off their back, you know, hosting this event, and you know, like Shane Lowry's been kind of almost the beneficiary of it. He's the Irish guy that no one's talking about all week, and then he's playing well because he's probably played there a bunch, just like those guys. But he doesn't have the anxiety, you know. And it's, and it's different for Ricky Elliott, Brooks's caddy, because. Ricky doesn't have to play. He just has to read, right. the, read exactly. you know, read the greens or give him a club and say, hey, no, you know, you want to hit this mound over there. And then, of course, you know, right. the robot Brooks just hits it there, you know, with like, you know, wedge from 200. But anyway, all right. So yeah. you talked about the crowds, you know. So what's the experience yeah. been like being at a place that hasn't had the Open Championship in so long? They don't have a lot of major sporting, certainly global sporting events up there. I mean, I last time I saw the World Cup of hurling, you know, I... I on ESPN eight, I don't think it was a uh, it was a big draw. So I mean, they sold two hundred and thirty seven thousand tickets for this week. What is the atmosphere oh, yeah. like there? It, it's unbelievable. I, I've been to St Andrews and I've been to Muirfield. Uh, St Andrews that I went to was the fiftieth commemorative one or whatever. And the crowds here, um, because of the way the golf course is shaped, they can fit many more people uh, in certain areas where St. Andrews, because of the way that it's built, all the people are on the outside. You can't get inside the golf course at St. Andrews because of how the holes are built. But out here, the people can be everywhere. So it's, it, it, it feels a lot fuller because there's not just people around the outside. There's people all over the place. And the, uh, the, and the roars are just absolutely enormous, just um, bigger than any place that I've ever been to. Like Augusta-like? Um, I mean, I was, exactly right, Augusta-like. And Augusta's a little bit different because there's so many trees, but like the, the noise travels in a different way. These ones are just, you know, huge and big and boisterous, and they're, you know, they're, they're not, like, confined to one area. They're just all over the place, and uh, it, it's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Well, wait till the weekend when they are more confined and you have half the size of the field and they're, you know, on the golf course. (laughs) One can only imagine, right? There'll there'll be a lot of you two playing for sure. Now, okay. So one of the things I wanted to ask you as an expert in 
playing on the ground is that this championship, unlike many others, looks like it's going to be won and lost on the ground. I mean, the kicks, the bumps, the moves, the putts, uh, all of yeah. the things that are going on on that golf course. What should we be looking for this this weekend in who's going to become the champion golfer? Um, you know, what kind of what, what kind of things could you do to prepare to play a golf course like this? Gotcha. So, so one of the things that it's hard to see on television is that uh, Royal Port Rush is, is not a flat link. It's a, it's a very, very hilly link. So it's a, it, it requires a lot different strategy around the green than most other links. Like you said, that most of them are kind of bump and run and kind of putted along the ground. Where at Royal Port Rush, you can't really do that that often because the greens are so elevated relative to the rest of the area that there's actually a lot more flop shots and kind of bumping into the hills, but with lots of like, sand wedges and things, not like seven and nine irons. So it's, it's certainly, from, from watching the people play, that the thing that stands out the most is who's choosing the smarter, actually higher option, and who's choosing the harder, uh, lower option. The, the, the fairways are quite sticky. Most of the time I see people hitting bumps and runs or putts from off the green, they're leaving it six, eight, ten feet short. The people that are hitting it a little bit higher, um, they're actually hitting them closer. So it's a, it's a very different kind of length than I think what most people picture and they've also, according to, to Graham's father, they've shaved off a whole lot more than they normally have uh, when it's uh, golf courses here for the membership. So around the greens, the ball just funnels way further away than it ever has, and it goes significantly lower than it ever does because the rust's not there. So it's, it's a little kind of a, uh, it's almost like a pine curse type links where it's, uh, it's not from like the turtle back greens, but the, like the, all the balls just run all over the place away, and the greens are so elevated that you can't really just put it up there. You've actually got to fly it up there. That's totally not what I would have thought. And you can kind of see yeah. that on TV, but you, I just figured it was American players wanting to play the ball high and not on the ground. No. But um, that's yeah. that's that's a really cool insight. And, folks, we're here on the line with John Graham. He's over at the 148th Open Championship at Royal Port Rush. He's a PGA Tour putting coach, expert, uh, golf digest, best teacher in state, New York. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, um, you know, I'm going to say all those nice things about you there because we're going to do a little tradition that we do each week on the show – and that's called Rapid Fire Q&A. And now that okay. my uh, listeners got to know that you are a super expert in rolling the ball on the putting greens, um, we're going to have some fun with you. We're going to let them learn a little bit more about you. And um, you could take your coaching okay. cap off for a minute and have some fun. You up for us? Okay, super. All right, here we go. Best putter of all time? Uh, I think Ben Crenshaw. What is a pet peeve of yours in airports? People that take their suitcases on the airplane and drag it along the ground instead of picking it up with their hand, and the, they, the, the bag is too big, and it hits everybody's knee on the way back. That drives me insane. <laughs> Strangest ball marker you have ever seen? Uh, probably one that uh, one of my clients gave me. It's a, it's a gold-plated uh, silver quarter. So it's a, it's a quarter that's old enough to be silver, but it's gold-plated. All right. On a scale of 1 to 10, rate your car driving skill. A 10. I'm excellent. All right. Do you like uh, sunrises or sunsets? Uh, uh, hmm. Gosh. Um, sunsets. Better in his prime, Brooks now or Tiger in 2000? No, Tiger in 2000. Do you believe in the moon landing? Of course. All right. 50 years tomorrow. All right. One word to describe Ooh, yeah. your one one word to describe your computer ability. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one again. I just got distracted. No, no problem. One word to describe your computer ability. 
decent. <laughs> Would you rather be a rock star or a movie star? Rock star. When you hear the word inventor, who is the first person that comes to mind? Edison. Oh, man. I was, I was raised in Edison, New Jersey. Huge fan. How about that one? Well, you know what, John Graham? I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule over there at the Open Championship. I really appreciate you calling in. And uh, I'll follow up with you when you get back to the States. Thanks so much for all you do. Oh, you bet. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope the listeners learned a little something that they can uh, use when they watch golf this weekend. Uh, There's definitely not a doubt that they did. All right. Have a good time over there. Good luck to Graham and the rest of your players. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care, John. Bye. Well, there we go, folks. Back to you, too. John Graham, the guy's unbelievable. Follow him online, folks. Uh, JG Golf, he's just awesome. Instagram, Twitter, the best. Well, folks, it's 3.15 p.m. here in Princeton and 8.15 p.m. there for John Graham and our friends in Portrush, Northern Ireland. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. We'll be back after this. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf with a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Springdale Golf Club members have been enjoying a club that's been a part of the Princeton community for nearly 120 years with the best golf and social experience in our region. But did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management? Springdale's historical significance, William Flynn designed with challenging greens, blended with a dedicated team of associates now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in commitment to the member experience. Just announced is a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about the club and all of the amazing fun things we have planned for 2019, please take a moment and visit our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash or call 855-255-1265. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. It's the 148th Open Championship Week over at Royal Port Rush. First time there in 68 years, since 1951. So you know what? The boys are back in town.
Once again, Chandler, great job on the board. Great job on the board. And uh, I know earlier when I sent over the couple songs of the week, right, you were kind of looking at me, you were like thinking about this song, and you really, you got the whole U2 Ireland thing, but you said, well, the band, the band that sings this song is Thin Lizzy, and they're from Dublin, Ireland. So, you know, turn it up, turn it up. All right, there we are. Having some fun. Second song of the week. Some deep tie-ins there. Some deep tie-ins. I know I got John really good with the uh, one U2 um, song of the week there in the beginning. I, I just couldn't believe when I read the words there. I mean, like, that's like teaching golf. You know, it's, uh, it's just kind of very unique the way that whole thing came across. And, and really what it comes down to is if you know John Graham, the song one absolutely describes him to a T because he has this one love and that's teaching putting to at a very high level or to beginners. I mean, he's just, he's just such a creative and artful teacher, a wonderful communicator. And we were so very fortunate to have him on, on air to talk and uh, to share his experience. I mean, coaching Graham McDowell in Port Rush, Northern Ireland, um, down the stretch, trying to make the cut, the fans going nuts, just an unbelievable experience. And, uh, uh, certainly something that uh, was very unique to our show today, and he got to share it with us. So hope the listeners enjoyed that, and uh, they enjoyed a little The Boys Are Back in Town. These 68 years they haven't had in this. Um, so it was interesting. I was doing a little research on Port Rush, and I was thinking about it, and Port Rush is known as a seaside holiday town. So it's mid-July, Chandler, and everyone you see on TV in the open is wearing a sweater or a rain jacket. They're walking around with an umbrella, but this is a seaside holiday town. To me, I mean, what's your favorite uh, beach to go to at the Jersey Shore, Chandler? Long Beach Island. Oh, Long Beach Island. That's right. Southern end or northern end? Southern. Southern. All right. Well, you know, you were 50% of the way there. All right. I'm, I'm a northern end person, but th- that's a local joke. But, you know, would you think of going to LBI with like a rain suit, an umbrella, a sweater, a couple layers? You, I mean, it, it's unbelievable to watch these people during the British Open. I mean, I, I don't know that you've seen it because you're a very busy person here at the station. But uh, if you do turn it on this weekend, these people look so unhappy, like sitting, watching, playing the golf, but they love it. And they've totally sold this thing out, which is really cool. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I got to give um, the RNA a ton of credit here in running this global championship because they sold out 237,000 tickets. First time ever. And first time in 68 years that they haven't had what used to be called the British Open or is now the Open Championship on the main island of, you know, Scotland, Wales and England. And this time, you know, it's first time in 68 years it's over there in Ireland and they sold the thing out. And they don't have a lot of major sporting events up there, but everyone's just coming out. And one of their goals, which I thought was really unique, and I thought I would bring up because we're always talking about the pop culture of golf and and the pop golf world, is that they had a, they set a goal to make sure that they got twenty five percent of that two hundred thirty seven thousand would be twenty five or younger, which is pretty cool. I thought, which I know you fall into that demographic, and they, they did some cool things in order to make sure that that happened. And one of the things was is that an adult ticket was ages twenty five and older. Right, and a kid's ticket was ages sixteen to twenty-four, so you could be a kid for the, for the week, Chandler. Right, and then under under sixteen was free. So you know, wouldn't that kind of make you feel good that you you could get a kid's ticket and go and enjoy this like really cool sporting event? What do you yeah, think about that? Again. 
to be young again, right? Indeed. Save some money. Say, yeah, which I'm sure is very important to you. Um, and going back to college in the, in the uh, in the fall time there over at TCNJ or what for, will forever be known to me as Trenton State College, but um, uh, and so I digress. So back to Royal Port Rush, and you know I just thought it was a really unique way that they were trying to attract this 25 percent goal or the 25 and under crowd. And one of the things they did is that they tried to eliminate as much use of single bottle. Um, Single bottle, single water bottle, single soda bottles, and everything, which seems to be a big deal with the younger crowd, and that 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 doing that over there in Europe and doing it here in the states attracted a lot more people to come because it, it seemed like they were being a lot more green over there in Ireland. I'm being punny again, right? <laughs> I know a lot of concert festivals are doing that here. See, so there you go. And that was the first time I'd read something like that. But to people in your age category, your demographic, right? That's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. All right. So another thing that they did, they built this huge campground that you could sleep and stay at there and then walk to the golf course. And it's just, I mean, we're we're talking 500 tents that you could rent and you could stay there on the property and be a part of the whole thing. And they're putting on evening entertainment for the folks that are staying there. And obviously a large majority of the people staying there are that 25 and under crowd. But to me, it seems like I'm really proud of where golf's going in so many different ways. And we bring this up week in and week out about how we're, we're just thinking outside the box and we're getting a whole new audience and we're engaging this millennial generation or the centennial generation. I mean, all this younger crowd. So great job by the RNA. Really excited about what they're doing with the Open Championship. And you know what? Royal Port Rush is, is just an unbelievable canvas to host this championship. We've got the best names up there. We've got some fantastic storylines at the top. you got an Irishman in Shane Lowry leading. You've got J.B. Holmes, a guy from Kentucky. He's leading the Open Championship. I, I, I love the kind of storyline behind that. One of my favorites is Lee Westwood. So Lee Westwood is right now tied for third in the Open Championship. Lee Westwood played in his first major in 1995. In 1995, Chandler, I was in college. All right, that's how long ago that is, right? So in 1995, I was a junior in college, and Lee Westwood played in his first major. Well, 81 majors later, he still hasn't won one, but he's made the cut 77% of the time. He's 40% of the time he finishes in the top 25. 20 25% of the time, he finishes in the top 10. This guy's an unbelievable ball striker. If all the planets would align this weekend, and it's it's a weekend of planets. You heard me refer to it earlier. Tomorrow, the 20th, right, is a very special birthday in my life. My best man at my wedding. It's his birthday, my, my former college roommate, Chris. But also, the, early, the reason I remember his birthday is that in 1969 was the day that we landed on the moon. 50 years ago tomorrow, we landed on the moon. That's pretty cool. So if all the planets align for Lee Westwood, right... He could win his first ever major after 81 events. And I think that would be a pretty cool thing. But I tell you, there are some serious players up there. We got uh, we got my man, my my bad guy, Brooks, right? Number one in the world. Um, you know, uh, my man, Rory McIlroy, he is sitting right near the cut line. He needs some magic to happen right now. He's at plus two. The cut line looks like plus one. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, Justin Rose is in there. We got last week's winner, Dylan Fratelli. Um, the Fratelli 
Kellys are there from Goonies. That's good to see. I mean, it's unbelievable. The guy wins last week, flies over in a plane from the John Deere. He's playing well now. Rose, Kepka, Spieth in the top 10. There's Jordan Spieth making a showing. The human ATM, Matt Kuchar, he's doing his thing. Love to see him do well. How about Ernie Els, 49 years old, tied for 25th. Really cool. Um, my pick for the weekend is my main man with the flowing locks, Tommy Fleetwood. Love him. I mean, I know Brooks will be strong and some of the rest of these guys, but I love I love me some Tommy Fleetwood and his ball striking for this weekend. I think he I think he's definitely going to be someone who is going to be worth watching. And, and you know, watching some of these hometown guys like Shane Lowry, the the crowd that was following him today was just unbelievable. And this golf course is unbelievable. And one of the things is uh, I love all the names they come up with for the holes. So this is one of the last things I'm going to touch upon today. But the uh, the number nine hole is named for the former pro P.G. Stevenson, who I have a member over at Springdale. His name was P.J. Stevenson, and that was P.G.'s son. So there's a good Springdale tie-in there. One of our longtime members who passed away in 2012, P.J. Stevenson, his brother, Di Stevenson, was the pro at Portrush, and then before that, his dad, P.G. So really cool Springdale Tower Talk tie-in there. Um, the, the 16th hole is going to play a pivotal role, Calamity Corner. Love that name for a hole. Really cool. And my favorite one is the 13th hole which is a par three and they call that one featherbed and they call it featherbed because it's a downhill par three when the ball lands there it lands so softly like laying down on a feather bed, which I think is kind of cool. You know? Pretty cool. Anyway, it's going to be a great weekend for the Open Championship. I'll be getting up early both mornings, and uh, everyone enjoy the championship golf. Last major of the season. Tiger's done. He's not going to be there this weekend, so find yourself a new hero for me. It's Tommy Fleetwood. And uh, before we get going, got to thank all my sponsors and supporters of the show. Start with New Jersey Golf Foundation. Of course, Summit Golf Brands with B. Dratty, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York. My belt man, Jimmy from F. F.H. Wadsworth, Troon Golf Management, and of course the Springdale Board of Governors and members. I'd like to thank my producer Chandler on the board, and most importantly, my listeners. You know, folks, I'm heading to Springdale. But where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from Princeton to Port Rush, and of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale day.